Good morning. My name is John Guy, and most of you recognize me being at the front door greeting. That's where I enjoy being, not up here. Today's going to be a different message than you usually hear. It's going to be on personal finance. I think it's an important message to give. It used to be taught in schools, but now there's only eight states in the United States that teach personal finance in the high schools. What I want you to take out of here, if nothing else, is that we will not make money an idol, that we will save as early as we can, and that we will try never to go in debt. And we're going to talk about these issues. Let us pray. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this glorious day. It is so beautiful. It just reminds us that you are our creator. We thank you, Lord, that you loved us so much that you sent us your most precious gift, your son. That through him, we would be able to reside with you forever in heaven. I just pray that your Holy Spirit will help me give this message, Lord, and that I will say the things that you would want me to and not say things that you wouldn't. Guide me, Lord, as I ask you to guide all my steps. And I lift all this in your precious name. Amen. I just like to think that all of us are starting at the same point, that everything we have has given, been given to us by God. We need to start there, knowing that what we have has been blessed by God and given to us. He has given us our lives, and He sustains it through every heartbeat, through every breath. He has blessed us with homes. He has given me my parents, my grandparents. He has blessed me with three wonderful children, seven glorious grandchildren, and I'm praying for more, but whatever God says, and sometimes the kids say they have a say. But I have one that I will meet in heaven, and we miss her too. But he's blessed us. He's blessed me with my wonderful wife, my family, and yes, my job. I love the job that I have, and it's a unique story, and I would love to tell it at some time. I prayed to God that I could have a job that would make a difference in people's lives. And for many years, I worked with machines and was so bored, but still did it cheerfully because God calls me to. And because of that, my work ethic was seen, and I was asked to come up and be a cardiac surgical assistant. I now manage 15 people that do what no other surgical assistants do in this country. We open chests. I hold a beating heart every day. It's miraculous to see what God has made in us. Well, about the mid-90s, my nephew Chuck Simpkins, some of you may have known him, uh, he gave me a book on investing. And I started reading it, and I couldn't put it down. And I started reading more books on investing. I started listening to podcasts. I went to seminars. I loved it so much that after talking to Kimberly, I decided to go back to school, and I became a certified financial planner. It's the worst test I've ever taken. Failed it the first time. 
But the second time I took it, I walked out with a retired orthopedic surgeon. He said this was harder than my boards. And, but God has blessed me through that. We have two stories in the gospel. One about the rich ruler who came to Jesus and said, What do I need to do to have eternal life? And Jesus told him, and the rich ruler said, I've been doing all of that since I was a young boy. And Jesus says, you lack one thing. Sell all you have and give it to the poor. And he walked away dejected and sad. His heart was not changed by talking to Jesus. But then he had his money was his idol. And it says we can't serve two masters. But we have another story about a man named Zacchaeus. And I don't want anyone here to start singing it, but... He was a tax collector. He was despised by the Jewish people. In fact, the scriptures call him a chief tax collector, meaning he was very good at taking people's money. He had a deal with the Roman government. You take enough to pay the taxes. Anything more you take, it's yours. So you know the fallen hearts that we have and the fallen world we live in made it easy for him to take money that wasn't his when he had two soldiers standing behind them making sure that they would pay. Zacchaeus was probably the richest man in town, but Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. And Zacchaeus wasn't either. He was seeking. He was searching. He heard that Jesus was coming. And being the wee man that he was, he climbed a sycamore tree. And Jesus saw him and said, Zacchaeus, come down, for I'm going to your house today. He knew Zacchaeus' name. And Zacchaeus' heart was changed from money being an idol to the point where he said, I'll give away half I own, and anyone I cheated, I will pay him back four times. We know this about how level money can be for the famous people that we know who were had fame and fortune and yet still took their lives because they were so depressed. Money does not buy happiness. It's a tool. Work hard not to let it be an idol in your life. Justin last week talked about, I think in his fourth point, was the greedy fools. But our next slide will show... That God calls us to be generous, not greedy. Second Corinthians 9.11 says, You will be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. I have a little pop quiz for you guys. How many verses in the Bible are about money? Less than 100? 2 to 500? Less than 1,000? Or over 2,000? The answer, over 2,000. And approximately 40% of Jesus' parables dealt with money also. Some scholars say there's anywhere between 2,300, 2,500 verses on money. The next slide. This is just an example of some of the scriptures that talk about money. Our finances seem to be important to God. 
in all phases of our lives, we seek to get his direction through prayer and reading the scripture and surrounding ourselves with other believers. We need to do that with our finances also. When we put God together and money, that will be good stewardship. If you feel you have lack wisdom in this area, James 1.5 says, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to them. Solomon, instead of asking for a long life or riches, asked for wisdom, and God gave him a double portion. As you see, a lot of these verses are in Proverbs, who were written by Solomon. Our next verse, 1 Timothy six seventeen nineteen. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasures as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. We do not put trust in money. Money is just a tool. Place our trust in God. Seek Him first. Money itself is not evil. 1 Timothy 6.10 does not say the root of money is all is evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. Again, it's a heart issue. Do not make money an idol. Things are different today than the retirements in the 50s. Our grandparents' retirements, they were usually given a pension. And the companies, the onus was on them to provide for it. They would have an equation like the last five years you work, they take the top three years, average those, and that would be your retirement pension. Well, things are different today. The onus is on us now. We'll have Social Security, and we'll probably have it in some form or another. I doubt it will ever totally go away, for the person that makes that decision is going to be hated more than Bernie Madoff. Because the money that we put in, we should be able to give back. But there was a problem. The law, Social Security signed into law in 1935. The life expectancy of men was about 60 years. The life expectancy of women was about 64 years. So by the time people retired around 65, half the people were gone. So the pension didn't have to last as long as it does now. And we see now that pensions are going the way of the dodo bird because it's so expensive to provide that now. People are living well over their 80s now. This says 79.05, but it's an old slide. And it's our job through either IRAs, 401Ks, to try to save for our money because when we retire, we'll have some form of Social Security. Maybe some will still have pensions, like uh, government jobs still have pensions, but a, a lot of it is going to be placed on us. And this next slide, I'd like to say, Houston, we have a problem. By the time people are 50 years old, 
Two-thirds of people have saved less than $10,000 towards retirement. That's a scary thing to think about. Our next slide says, Proverbs 21.20, The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends it on whatever he gets. Whenever he gets. Whatever he gets, I'm sorry. I'm going to be talking about this slide in a little bit too, but I'm going to go on to this next slide, helpful guidelines for your finances. When I've talked to young people in our church or others, uh, I try to track this thing where you track your spending, write it out on paper, create a budget. You know, you cut unnecessary expenses by tracking your spending and seeing what you don't need to spend on. Again, ditch your debt. It is so pressure on your back, a monkey on your back. Buy a smaller home if you need to. Don't compete with the Joneses. You can increase your income by investing and letting your money work for you. Also, if you need a side gig, I know one of my sons uh, drives for uh, Grubhub. He's a missionary and makes extra money by doing that. You can do an Uber driver. There's other things that you can do to bring in extra money if you have to. Proverbs 22, 7. Again, Solomon, the rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. So true. When I talk to people who are about to get married, uh, I just go over some of the basics, which, you know, what should be in your wallet, what shouldn't be in your wallet. What can be in your wallet are credit cards, debit cards, emergency cash, contact info, rewards cards, ID. What shouldn't be in your wallet is social security card, PIN numbers, account numbers, passwords, blank checks. We talk about important papers to keep in a fireproof safe or in a safety deposit box, your tax returns, passports, wills. Birth certificates, social security cards, marriage license, house deeds, car titles, and there's others that I just don't have time in this four hours to go over. (laughs) This next slide is a cute slide. It's never too early to save. Like the verse we heard before, Proverbs 21.20, the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. The Good News translation renders the second part of that I enjoy hearing. The foolish man spends it as fast as they get it. And with credit cards, we can spend it before we ever get it. And the problem with credit cards nowadays, they're paying over 20% interest, making it so much harder to dig out a debt. Next thing I talk about is making savings automatic. If you're not in your 401k at work or whatever vehicle they have for retirement, go tomorrow to your HR department or benefits office. Have them open it or show you how to. And a lot of them you can open online yourself now. The other thing they can do is out of your paycheck, have money directed straight to your savings or to a credit union. If you're in the military government, sign up for the Thrift Savings Plan. Next thing we talk about is living within your means. It is so important not to spend more than you make. You do not want to get in debt. 
Now, Warren Buffett, I'm sure you guys have heard about him. He's a tremendous investor and has a lot of great sayings. He says, do not save after you spent, but spend after, spend what is left after you save. We go on to talk about insurances. Term insurance is more affordable, can take care of your family if something happens to you. You can buy a term of 20 years, 25 years. It can help you to pay for college if something happens to you. Your last child is born 18 years, they're going to go to college, you get a 25 term. Something happens to you in that time, they'll still be over to college and won't have to lose their dreams. Disability insurance. Statistically, you'll be more likely to become disabled and not be able to work for a while than you would be to pass away. Most people emphasize the prime money maker of the family, but insure the other spouse also. I knew from an early time that I could never pay for what Kimberly does for our family. For me to have to pay for someone to clean my home, make meals for my children, drive them to practices, to games, to school functions, I would never have been able to afford it. So think about, you know, covering that second uh, sermon. I mean, a lot of times people today make equal amounts. Sometimes women are out there, they're making, they're the prime breadwinner. But whoever has to pay for that extra, make sure that they're covered. Uh, renter's insurance is a cheap insurance. If you live in an apartment and your stuff gets destroyed in a fire, it will be making you sleep easier at night. Even car rental insurance, I never used to get it because I knew my insurance would cover whatever happened to the car. But you know, that car company will charge you a restocking fee until that car is repaired or replaced. So sometimes it's good to get that, make you sleep better when you're away. Our next thing we talk about estate planning, about wills. It's important to have a will to tell people where you want your things to go. I knew uh, when I was taking my class, one of the people there actually would suggest going through your house with a video recorder and tape saying, hey, I want this to go to so-and-so, I want this to go to so-and-so. So when the time comes, there wouldn't be much fighting. There'll still be fighting, but hopefully there'd be less because of that. And you don't want to put in your will how you want to be taken care of when you pass. The will is usually open a few weeks after you passed, and you don't want to be reading the will and say, I want to be cremated and my spread ashes spread over the beach when they just buried you two weeks ago. Have your will available. Know who your, not executioner of your will, but your executor. Um, let them know where it is. Let them know your wants. A good estate planning attorney would have a copy of that, and when the executor calls them, they will help them do the things that you need to do for the person who just passed. A durable power of attorney. Who do you want to make decisions for you when you can't make decisions? Whether you're in a coma, whether you have Alzheimer's, you want to pick someone that you want to make those decisions. Healthcare power of attorney, someone who's going to pull that plug for you. You know, we had to decide one of our children not to because they said, hangnail, boom, gone. 
a living will. To what extent do you want things done to you to keep you alive? In titling of assets and beneficiaries, these are important. We, I know people that, because they've had Alzheimer's, a hard time paying their bills, they put one of their children on their checking account and savings account. And then put in their will, they want that money shared equally with all the children. But it won't. It will go to whoever's name is on that piece of paper. Hopefully they'll do the right thing and share with their siblings, but legally they don't have to. Beneficiary designations, keep them up to date. There have been people that have divorced, had their first spouse as a beneficiary, remarried, never changed it. And even in their will, they said they wanted to go to their second spouse, but it won't. It will go to the name that's on that beneficiary. So keep those up to date. Next is budgeting. Not a fun thing to do. It's hard work. But it's a plan. And, you know, when you do a budget, you have what's budgeted. And then at the end of the year, you have real things that happen during that. And then you can make adjustments for the next year's budget. Proverbs 21.5, good planning and hard work leads to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. And I think this is a key verse in what we should be doing with our finances. Proverbs 16.9, we should make plans, counting on God to direct us. Keep God at the forefront of your finances. This Proverbs 6, 6 through 8 says, Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler making them work or forcing them to do it, they labor hard all summer gathering food for the winter. We work hard for our money, but make no mistake, God is the one that helps provide that. We have a big oak tree in our front yard, and we see the squirrels do the same thing, gathering the nuts. It's fascinating to watch them, the acorns, where they dig a hole, and they push it down in with their noses, and then they cover it back up, looking around like, hey, who's going to get this, you know? But be like these animals God created to prepare for our future. Luke fourteen twenty eight says, But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first getting estimates and then checking to see if he has money enough to pay the bills? All the elders that were on this building committee knew how much we poured over that and struggled making sure we could afford this building. And then this next thing, Dave Ramsey's budget guide, I like to use it because he, when you look at a lot of secular ones, they don't have about tithing or giving, and he puts 10% to giving right there and 10% to savings. A lot of people believe in the 10, 10, 80, you tithe 10%, save 10%, and spend off the rest of the 80. So when you do your budget and you're deciding to buy a house, say that, you bring home your paycheck, and after you pay your tithe, and you pay and you pay your savings, and you have four thousand dollars left over, it's probably a good idea not to get a three thousand dollar mortgage. It will be tough to keep you out of debt if live that way. 
Now, the Old Testament tithe meant 10%, and that is a great starting point. But this next thing in the New Testament said you must each decide in your heart. This is a heart issue. How much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Now this one's a little more harsh. First Timothy 5, 7 through 8, give the people these instructions so that no one may be open to blame. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. It sounds harsh, but this is really put in place to make sure that widows and orphans were taken care of. But we want to do the same things for our children. We want to provide for their future. When I advise couples, talk about saving with college. I talked about trying to talk to your kids as they grow up, that the first two years you go will be to community college. Because when you graduate from wherever you transfer to, the diploma says, I graduated from the university. It doesn't say spent two years in community college and then university. To give you an example, I'll talk to you about my experience. Our kids went to Towson. One child went all four years. Towson at that time was about 20000 a year, total of $80,000. Two of my kids went to Montgomery College first. It's $5,000 a year. Two years, $10,000. They transferred to Towson, two years, $40,000, a total of $50,000 as opposed to $80,000. If you send them to community college, it makes a big difference. College is not for everyone. Maybe a vocation. I mean, to be a plumber assistant, electric assistant, you can get paid a little bit while you learn. That's great. But it's not always cheapest. One of the girls I went to class with, son, went to learn how to do uh, build racing engines for race cars, $450,000. Vocation's not always cheaper, but whatever. When it comes down to personal finances, uh, Rick Edelman's wife says it's more about personal than it is finances. So whatever makes you sleep at night, whatever you want, vocation or school, it's your decision. 529 plans are a great way to save for college. But do not do it at the detriment of your retirement. Save for retirement first. Because you save in 529 and you don't have enough for college, you can get student loans. You can get financial aid. Your child may have a scholarship. They have work programs that help pay for tuitions. We have none of that in retirement. And then a lot of people that ended up going back to welcome to Walmart because they couldn't afford what they had planned for, for retirement. The pros of a 529, you save tax deferred. And if you use it for qualified purchases, the money coming out is tax free. It's a great way to do it. Now, they're pretty lenient with uh, what is a qualified purchase. I mean, if you buy a laptop 
For college, that's a qualified purchase. And of course, it pays for tuition, books, room, and board. But keep your receipts so that if you're questioned, you'll have the receipts if it's for. If you have extra money left over after they go to college, or maybe you saved and they ended up getting a full scholarship, you can transfer that 529 to another sibling, to a niece, to a nephew, to a cousin. You can even transfer it to yourself. And I know people that had extra money transferred to themselves and went to take culinary classes or sailing classes, golfing classes through a, a college. The cons of a 529 plans is if you don't use that money for a qualified purchase, it's tacked at your ordinary income plus a 10% penalty. So some people say, I, I still want that money. I'm going to take that extra money and put it in my savings, but it will be taxed and penalized also. Who should be using a 529? Grandparents, aunts, uncles, anyone who lives outside the home of who you have the 529 for. Even a spouse who's divorced and doesn't longer live in that home can save money and it won't go against the FAFSA. It used to be that after two years, that money would go against the FAFSA, what you fill out for financial aid. But now there's new rules that you can start out as soon as they're a freshman and that money will not cost and count against them to get financial aid, which is a great new law. So I'd like to talk about the market a little bit now. So in case there's anyone from the SEC here, I need to say that past history are not guaranteed of future results. Why do I like the market? This slide here that's up here. If you drew a trend line on this, it would be up, up, up. Back in the early 1900s, started out 1,500 points. And this is the Dow. Today, it's over 33,000 points. As you can see, there's lumps and bumps in here. There's peaks and valleys. You can see the Great Depression, that it went down to almost zero. And at the very end there, that dip is the Great Recession of 2008, and we'll talk about that later. But if you're in for over 10 years, there's really never been a time in history that it's lost money. So if you're able to not use your money for 10 years, stay in the market. And this graph shows why. And the reason I encourage the youth to invest is this next slide. This guy is Albert Einstein. Say, some say he was a smart guy. He said compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it earns it. He who doesn't pays it. And we're going to show a couple examples of how it's earned and how it goes against you. This next slide, I'm not sure if you can see it or not, but Ben on the left, he put in, he started at 19 years old. He had parents who were guiding him, I'm sure. $2,000 a year for eight years, and then he stopped investing. He put in a total of $16,000. Now, Arthur started at the age 27, put in $2,000 for 39 years, a total of $78,000. Now, it doesn't tell me what interest rate they were earning on here, 
But still, the point being made, if you start early, Ben, who started early and only saved for eight years, ended up with a little over $2.3 million. And Arthur, who saved for 39 years, has a little over one point five. The whole key about this is to start early. This next slide is just another chart showing it. The person on the left in the green, you know, at 25 years, put in $5,000 for 10 years and stopped. The second investor at 35 years of age put in 5000 for 30 years. He put in $150,000 still because the first person started early, ended up with 787000 second investor 612000 a difference of 175000 The whole key is starting early. This is the miraculous thing of compound interest. Next slide shows that it goes against us, too. This is a part of a credit card statement saying that our previous balance was $7,968.31. You made a payment of 168.31, which should give you a balance of 7800 Now, I didn't put the fee charge in. I had no idea if it was a late fee or whatever, but it wasn't for our discussion here. I just put the interest back in. So instead of having 7800 you have 7886.02. And if you're paying the minimum, it will take years and years to get out of debt. So that's how compound interest works against us. We talk about diversification. Here's a smart bunny here. Learn to not put eggs in one basket. Because that's what happened to the dodo birds. Dodo birds, the last two dodo birds said, hey, here are the last eggs. For dodo birds, I'm going to put them in this one basket, and we know what happened to the dodo bird. Even on vacation, Colin talked to me about this, and then I went away for a week on vacation. But even on vacation, God was speaking to me, because Kimberly, Kevin, and I went into this store that sold shirts. And one of the shirts had fishing lures, four different kinds. And the caption was, my diversified portfolio. I thought it was funny that even on vacation, God was tickling me. Why do we diversify? This is the reason why. How many people are using MySpace right now? Borders are going the way of the Dodo Bird also, because Amazon is so easy to buy books on there. You know, you heard of Blockbuster? Our cable has made that obsolete. Circuit City no longer exists. Radio Shack used to be great when I was a great when I was a kid. Have all these parts that you could get. Our smartphones, cable, and Amazon have hurt these companies. Have you ever heard of a company called Enron? Well, those people, a lot of the people, their retirement was stock options from that, and then it went bankrupt. They lost all they had saving for retirement. That's why we diversify. That's why I like to use ETFs, mutual funds, index funds. They buy hundreds of companies in one fund, so you're totally diversified by buying that. Like an index fund of the five, uh, S&P 500, they have 500 companies, just like the S&P index does. 
So they automatically diversify by using these types of saving vehicles. Here's examples of saving vehicles, savings accounts, CDs, bonds, stocks, mutual funds, ETFs, index fund, target funds, Roth IRA, 401K, 403B, TSPs, 457s, and Roth 401Ks. Two things I'd like to pick out here is a target date. If you don't feel comfortable picking the funds you like, you can pick a target date. What you do is figure out the year that you want to retire. And I suggest to the people I talk to go five years past that because we don't want to go to retirement when we want to go through retirement. And this target fund, you buy the target fund, and each five years or so, they make, as you get closer and closer to retirement, they make your portfolio less volatile, more conservative, more bonds, and less stocks in it. So you don't, it does it on its own. The other thing I want to say about a Roth 401k, if anyone has a Roth 401k, it is subject to minimum required distributions. But a Roth IRA is not. So if you have a Roth 401k, when you retire, transfer it into a Roth 401, I mean a Roth IRA, and you won't be subject to required minimum distributions. This next thing is an important slide. If your company offers a match, invest at least the amount you need to receive that match. Then you just doubled your investment without any risk at all. This is how it works. Say you make $50,000 on the next slide. Say you make $50,000. You put in 3%. They match 3%. You put in... $1,500, at the end of the year, mostly they wait till December 31st, so in case you leave in the year, they don't have to match it. So they'll put in $1,500. You have a total of $3,000 without taking any risk at all. Comes under the heading of no-brainer. I said I was going to talk about the Great Recession. The next slide, and the reason I say stay in the market if you have at least 10 years before you need your money. This is a slide of 2008. It starts out at 2007 on the left. October 2007 was the high of $13,000 in the Dow. March 9, 2009 was the low of 6500 It was cut in half. Most recessions usually pull back about 40%. This one pulled back 50%. That's why they call it a great recession. It took two years to get back to 13,000. I'm not sure if you can see that up there, but to equal 13,000. I know people that pulled out at the bottom. They lost all of that. Two years later, they were back to where they were if they stayed in. I had a few people at work I was fortunate to keep begging them, talking them to keep in, and they were happy that, eventually they were happy that they did. It took seven more years to double that 13,000 to 26,000. But when we talk about dollar cost average, as that market was going down, if you were still putting money in, it's buying more shares at the same price or less price. At the bottom, when you, the money that you put in there at 2018 was four times 
what you put in at the bottom of the market. So if you have time, stay in the market, ride the ups and downs, but in the long term, you'll benefit for it. We should invest like we live our Christian life, going against the tide of this world. People were pouring out at the bottom. That's when we should have be been going in. And people are pouring in in 2000 at the dot-com bubble. There was no fundamentals on those companies. They made no money, but still people were pouring money in. And then that bubble bust, and a lot of people got hurt from it. Warren Buffett again says the best time to deploy money is in a down market. You're buying more shares, and when it turns up, it will make more money for you. Your dollar cost average down because, as Warren Buffett says, no one rings a bell to say it's the bottom of the market. You don't know where it is, so keep investing, and in the long term, you'll be rewarded. I hesitate to use this next quote from Warren Buffett. But it's a strong quote, but he used the word greedy, but it's not greedy of the heart, it's greedy of an action. He said, be fearful when others are greedy. So be fearful at the top of that market in 2000 when people were greedy and pouring money in, even though the companies had no fundamentals at all, not making money at all. And to be greedy when others are fearful. At the bottom of that great recession, people were fearful pulling out. That was the time to put money in. And these are just some helpful sites that we have. Financial education, you know. I'm sorry, the one before that, if it, or if I have my things wrong. Okay, well, I'll go with this one here. The bank rate. .com gives you interest rates on mortgages, savings, um, money markets. It's a wealth of information for that. The frugallifestyle.com gives you suggestions. Make your own coffee, pack your own lunch, trying to save money. Credit scores, Credit Karma, Credit Sesame give you good ideas on how to improve your credit. Budget help, every dollar is uh, rotten. Dave Ramsey's uh, budget there, Mint. Uh, I don't use this one, but I like it. The YNAB means you need a budget. Personal capital and financial calculators. There's many out there. Let's see the next slide. Of, uh, the financial ed. Investopedia is a great thing. Investors.gov has a lot of great information. Financial research, it's whatever you get comfortable with. Yahoo Finance, Morningstar. Um, your companies, thing like a, we have Prudential and Fidelity, and they have wonderful research sites too. Uh, insurance, AccuQuote, and SelectQuote, they'll actually shop the best price for you. Uh, Social Security, um, they used to give us every year the breakdown of our Social Security. Then it started going every five years, and now hardly at all. But you can go on ssa.gov and set up an account, and you can go and look at your Social Security fund anytime. Bonds, Treasury Direct, if you want to buy treasuries. I mean, I-bonds are paying 9% right now. Not a recommendation. Okay, just much. Podcasts I listen to, Rick Odelman has a lot of great information on uh, through, and he has a truth about money. He has a new one about uh, future of your money.
Uh, Jim Solner is Kimberly is mine, uh, financial planner. He has a lot of great influence on retirement and things that you do in retirement. Peter Schiff is a conservative economist. With Wise Investor and WealthTrack have a lot of great information. Books, anything that Rick Edelman writes, I've read and is good. God's Plans for Your Finances, Dwight Nichols. Financial Peace by Dave Ramsey is great on getting out of debt and setting up budgets. So to recap, save, start early, let compound interest work for you. Make savings automatic. Have it come out of your paycheck. Dollar cost average. Diversify with ETS, mutual funds, index fund, target funds. Keep costs low with ETS, index fund, and low cost mutual funds. It's not great to invest your money and then see the company take a lot of it from the funds they, they charge. Find a good accountant, a financial planner, and a good estate planning lawyer. They're invaluable. If you need to use your funds within three to five years, stay more conservative. Use CDs, high-yield savings accounts, or even low, I mean, short-term bonds. Join your Works 401k and invest at least to get the match. If you won't need your funds for 10 years, put at least 60% in stocks. Not a recommendation. Have a long-term vision for your investments. Do not pull out the stock market if you won't need your funds for 10 years. Oh. And remember, save. We need to balance all that with God, with Scripture. And here's a few that I liked. Second Corinthians 9.11, Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. He calls us to be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. And we all know this, Matthew 6.19.21, Do not lay up for yourself treasure. On earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart also will be. Again, it's a heart issue. And again, keep God first. Seek Him first. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And live righteously, and He will give you all you need, not all your wants but what you need. Bless Him, praise Him, thank Him for all He's given us. And why do we give? We give to God and others because He first gave us the most precious gift, His Son, Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank You for who You are and what You've done for us. Even while we were enemies with You, You loved us enough to send Your Son to save us from this fallen world. We just ask that you direct our steps in everything we do and help us with our finances to keep the perspective on you first and finances second. We just ask all these things in your precious name, that of your Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.